You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of Cornerstone Community Church in Wildemar, California, where we exist to reach people, make disciples, and build relationships. If you'd like to connect with us even further, check out our website at go2cornerstone.com. Good morning. Let's see. What is this doing here? No. <laughs> if you've been to my house, this is uh, on the, the wall in our hallway. And this represents the Dean family's 50-state goal. We're trying to visit all 50 states with our kids. Uh, we want a picture from each state for the kids. Um, they need to have a good, strong memory there. And so I think so far, you don't have to do the math. I think we've gotten to uh, 21 of these states so far. And so we have seven years to accomplish this because we're trying to visit all 50 states before Abigail graduates high school. Now, the reason for this is a deep prayerful, theological reason. I saw a Facebook survey where you had to mark how many states you've been to, and it's got the idea, well, wouldn't that be fun? And it'll be kind of an interesting talking point for the rest of our kids' lives where they can say, I am cooler than you. I have been to all the states. I can prove it with a photo album. The deans need help to be cool. We're not naturally cool, and so we need something like this. And so it's important it's not just the, the states we're visiting. We want to have a significant memory there as well. Everything except for Delaware. Delaware, we pulled over on the side of the, the highway and just took a picture of the sign. But everywhere else, we want to do something cool. So when we were in Wisconsin, we did the one thing you're supposed to do in Wisconsin, and we drove five minutes across the border to a, to a cheese shop. And we got some curds and cheese and stuff and ate that, and so we had our significant moment there. These destinations, the 50 states, are, are only a small part of the travels, right? Most of our time will be spent driving, flying, on trains, right, getting to our destination. And that's okay, because the journey is just as important as the destination. That's what we're going to be talking about today as we look at 2 Samuel. And so turn to an introvert near you and say, the journey is just as important as the destination. I don't know why you would do that to an introvert. That's unkind. You should have resisted and said, no, I'm not doing that. Listen, the way that we get places matters, right? This goal is going to be traumatic for our kids if as we get to all these states, we're fighting, we're yelling, we just have stress the whole time when plans are changing, right? The way that we get places matters. Now, I, I learned this recently in New Jersey as I was given a speeding warning from a New Jersey police officer on this yellow piece of paper. It was a yellow piece of paper that looked just like this. This says sidewalk sale for a local library, but you're not going to be able to read it, so you have no idea. So it looks like the ticket that I got. But the police officer was reminding me, you can't go that fast. Now, I know you're already judging me in your mind, thinking, oh, how dare you? It's unsafe, Andy. It was a 25-mile-per-hour zone. Those shouldn't exist just outside of your home. We weren't in a neighborhood. And so I was like, listen, I've, I've never even heard of this. I expected the officer to say, oh, this is where the Boy Scouts tra are trained to cross old ladies, you know, across the street, right? This is where we train the Boy Scouts. You got to go, you got to go slow. So he was happy. He was just racking up his points there. He said, I'm getting people left and right. I said, well, isn't that nice? Isn't that nice of you to, to, to do that? But but what is he really doing? He's saying, hey, the way we get places matter. You need to slow down. And I respected that, and I was thankful we got a warning, not a ticket there. All of us have, 
have dreams and desires and really destinations where we would like to be one day, and we're aiming for them. We're working hard towards them, right? And the, the temptation that we have is to get there by any means necessary. Whatever it takes, we've got to get to our goal. And so there's a figure of speech, the ends justify the means. But that's not actually true for believers in Jesus unless both the ends and the means are God-honoring, and then that can make sense for us. We've been talking about David, and David knew where he was going. He was going to be king. He knew this because in 1 Samuel chapter 16, the prophet Samuel anointed him king and spoke on behalf of God, saying, I promise you, you will be king. But poor David... This is 15 years later as we start 2 Samuel. It was taking forever. Can you imagine being told as a, a young boy that you were going to be king? He was probably you know, 15 or so when he, when he heard that. And then it took 15 years for that to become true. I'm sure David was tempted to take shortcuts, right? That he was tempted to speed things along, to take matters into his own hands. But we see he resisted that. And today, as we look at 2 Samuel, we'll be reminded that, that detours and delays and our disappointments in life, these are parts of our journey that we can actually thrive in, not just you know, survive in and, and get past. So all of us have a goal, somewhere we'd like to be, something we'd like for God to change in our lives. And it's okay that we're not there yet because the journey is just as important as the destination. And so as we look at 2 Samuel chapter 1, we remember that it's on the journey that we learn Christ-like contentment. It says, a man arrived from Saul's camp and said, Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, and there was Saul leaning on his spear. He asked me, kill me. So I killed him because I knew he couldn't survive. And I took the crown on his head, and I brought it here. And David and all the men with him took their clothes and tore them. They mourned and wept and fasted. And David asked, why weren't you afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And David said, strike him down. And David took up this lament concerning Saul and Jonathan and ordered the people of Judah to be taught this song, which, which included a, a line like this. Saul and Jonathan, in life they were loved and admired. In death, they were not parted. It's on our journey that we learn Christ-like character, that Jesus makes us more and more like him. It's, it's the journey that we learn this. David had an undeserved enemy in Saul. David only ever blessed Saul personally and blessed the kingdom of Israel, and yet Saul hunted him. Saul was jealous of him and his victories, and so he came after him. He threw spears at him. He chased him all around the mountains, not just for months, but for years David was hunted by his enemy, Saul. David had two opportunities to kill Saul. We learn in, in 1 Samuel, there was one time where Saul found his way into a cave where David and his men were, were hiding there, and David could have killed him. One time, uh, Saul was so tired that he fell asleep, and David snuck right up and grabbed the jug of water by his head and his spear and went far away and then began to say, hey, I had a chance to kill you, and I didn't do it. I'm not against you. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm not your enemy. The problem David had is that this shortcut of killing Saul would require a lack of integrity. 
David knew that God appointed Saul to be king, and so he couldn't kill him. So what God-honoring options did David have left? He really could just wait. He could wait and survive. That's really it. David's strategy is in 1 Samuel 26, where he says, as surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him. His time will come or he'll die or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. He said, God, God can take care of this. God raised Saul up as king. God said, I was going to be king. I'm going to trust that eventually Saul's time will be done. And if it's through old age or sickness or battle, then that's up to the Lord. I'm not going to take a shortcut in life. And so his only option is to wait. And waiting on the Lord is only something that we can learn before we've received what we really desire, before we've achieved what we want, before we end up at our destination during that time of patience on our journey. That's where we develop Christ-like character as we wait on the Lord. It's been said, good things come to those who wait, and that's where our character is built as well. It was earlier this week that I just wanted to get on the road quickly, and so I, I wanted some eggs as well, and I had to reconcile those two, and so I couldn't get the skillet out, so I took the eggs, cracked them into a coffee mug, put some cheese on top of it, put it in the microwave for a minute, and started making my coffee. Now, normally, every 30 seconds, I'll stir it, and I'll break the yolk and everything. This time, didn't have time for that. And with one second to go, explosion happens at the Dean house. It, it was horrifying, the sound of it. Boom! And I just started laughing at my foolishness that I could have avoided. I opened the microwave, and there are egg guts everywhere, cheese everywhere, and I left it for my wife to clean up. No! No! But I did, I did see some humor in the moment, so I did leave it. And when Shannon got home, I said, hey, I made you some eggs. It's in the microwave. She goes, in the microwave? Oh, and I was like, I'll clean it up. I just wanted you to see what a failure I am at this. This was a, a painful lesson. It sounds humorous. These were the last two eggs. I went to work that day with just my coffee. I think I had a banana, and I was really happy for lunch. I, I, I didn't wait. I didn't go slow enough. I wasn't patient enough. I've said before, the phrase, waiting on the Lord, is a phrase coined by David himself. He is the first to use it in the Bible, and he writes of waiting on the Lord 25 times in the Psalms, and only after David do the prophets and New Testament writers pick up this phrase of waiting on the Lord. Here's how David would say, wait on the Lord. This is probably one of the times he was running from Saul, Psalm 37, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Wait on the Lord. We have to have patience. It's in the times of waiting that we grow and learn. Not just waiting in general, but waiting on the Lord, right? If we can wait on the Lord, we'll develop Christ-like character. Now, what is Christ-like character I think it's really best described in reading the Gospels and seeing the life of Jesus, but also in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, where we have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This describes the work on the inside that God is doing 
in our lives. That happens in a season of waiting, not in a season of achieving. And so good things are happening. David's character is almost perfected in this season of waiting. And we see that because he was able to do one of the most difficult things that we are asked to do. He was able to love his enemies. I mean, how hard is that? He, he loved this. This guy's trying to kill him. And he, he loves his enemies. And we see that in the song that he wrote. When Saul died, David didn't rejoice and throw a party. He didn't eat food. He ripped his clothes. He demanded that everyone would cry and weep over this moment that the king of Israel would die. This is the same person trying to take his life. But David doesn't celebrate. David mourns and even wants Saul to be remembered for the good things that he did. And so he writes a song, a a psalm, and commands that everybody in his kingdom would learn it. And, And it said something along the lines of that Saul and Jonathan were loved and admired in life. Why would David want Saul to be remembered like that? Because he truly loved his enemies. The best case scenario for for David would be if Saul just repented, stopped chasing him, and he could honor King Saul again until he became king. Learning to love our enemies. What a Christ-like characteristic that would be to learn to love our enemies. Because what's the point of arriving if we arrive without Christ-like character? What's the point of us driving all over the place if we're fighting the whole journey and and I'm teaching my kids impatience and waiting for the plane and being frustrated if the the plane changes and being really upset if we're having, you know, traffic. What's the point of arriving without Christ-like character? So I think it's while we were in New Jersey one time, we were just finishing a New Jersey vacation. We were tired. We wanted to be home. And we got to the airport. The kids already cried with their grandparents and their cousins saying goodbye. And we're at the airport. And it's delay after delay. And and I know how frustrating those moments are. But uniquely in this situation, the Lord gave us grace to try and have the right attitude. We we knew it was going to be horrible. And so we just started saying, okay, how can we model for our kids a Christ-like character in this moment? And we had to pray a lot because it was delay after delay, weather delay, mechanical delay. At one point, we finally got onto a plane. The air conditioning wasn't working, and it was so hot that I thought that one of our kids was having an asthma attack. And I was almost that crazy passenger saying, like, you need to open the door. And then we had to get off the plane after being hours on the tarmac and leave and go to a hotel that night. But we were just committed to saying, all right, let's get the kids in a circle. Let's, let's sit in this airport and play games with them and order some fun food and remind them it's okay, God's in charge. And the next day, we had so much time, we went to a museum before we went back to the airport. It was a disaster. But in that moment, God gave us strength to have Christ-like character. I wish it was every moment. God's like, whoa, I'm giving you strength every moment. You're not taking it. I get it. I get it. But it was, it's not easy. And it's on the journey that we learn also to have communion with Christ. Chapter 2 says, in the course of time, David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah, he asked. The Lord said, go up. And David asked, where shall I go to Hebron, the Lord answered. Look at what's happening here. David is very specifically talking to the Lord and hearing so clearly from God that he knows which town he should now go to. This is amazing. And you wonder, how is this even possible? When you think back to the book of Genesis, we remember that humans were created in the image of God. Why? So we could have a relationship with God. 
God desires to talk with us, to be with us, to have a relationship with each of us. And so David wrote this about these types of experiences in Psalm 5, verse 3. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. First thing in the morning, he goes to God in prayer and he says, here's what's on my mind, Lord, what do you want to do? And then he does the most difficult thing. He waits expectantly. He says, Lord, I need an answer. I have to wait until you answer. And that can take a bunch of different forms, right? Sometimes we, we just have a thought or an excitement or a joy to go in a particular direction. Rarely do we hear a, an audible voice from God. And so this requires a lot of humility. At times we pray and then read the scriptures and feel like we have the answer right there. But we want to do that humbly, recognizing that if we're wrong, it's not God that made a mistake. It's just that we took a thought and said this was the Lord. But we need to develop the pattern of saying, Lord, I want to hear your voice. It's difficult. But we are promised that this will be our relationship. John 10, 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. Right? This this is a relationship we get to have with God where we speak to him and he speaks to us. And so if the difficulties or the monotony of life, this journey that we're on, if it causes us to hear God's voice more clearly, to firmly plant ourselves on his pathway, to follow after him, then the difficulty, it's good. Because we were made for a relationship to be in communion with God himself. We, to do this, we need silence, right? We can't constantly fill our ears with noise. There need to be times where we say, I'm in a car, but I'm, I'm not putting music on, not putting a book on, not putting a podcast on. I'm just going to sit silently and, and talk to the Lord and, and give God a chance to speak to my heart about what's going on. I was heading down to Carlsbad uh, this week to meet with uh, Pastor Ron Armstrong to have lunch with him. And I was like, I'm going to practice this. And so I wanted to listen to a podcast, but I just, I just kind of sat there in silence as I was driving. It wasn't too bad on the drive down, but I hit some traffic on the way back. And God gave me plenty of opportunity to, to hear his voice. And so what happened in that time? I don't know. I mean, I was just more sensitive to the Lord. I drove by a speed trap again in that moment. This time, the officer was busy with someone else. And instead of normally I would pray for the person's anger towards the, the person, I just, I prayed for the safety of that officer because it looked like a dangerous situation to, to pop out and follow someone. So I said, Lord, just keep them safe. Now, I'm not going to stand here because humility requires that I don't do that. I'm not going to stand here and say, my prayer kept that officer safe. But it was the right thing for me to be thinking in the moment, and it was the right pursuit for me to be talking with God in the moment. And so it was still a good thing, regardless of if that prayer affected anything at that point. What's the point of arriving at our goals if Jesus, Jesus isn't with us? If we're so busy chasing after our goals that we don't have time to be praying and be in the Word, and so by the time we achieve our goals, God's there, but we don't even notice he's there because we're so busy enjoying our goals. God with us is the goal, communion with God. And so it was, uh, I think, last year that we decided to fly into uh, D.C. and slowly drive up to New Jersey. And my dad was kind enough to come and pick us up and drive with us a few states back. And so we wanted our kids to hang out with their grandpa. And so we said, hey, no, no screen time talk to grandpa, play games with him in the car, ask him, ask him questions, because 
after all this time of not being with their grandpa, it would be rude for them to be on their screens there. They wanted to grow in their relationship with grandpa in that moment. It's on the journey that we develop communion with Christ, not just at our destination. And it's on our journey that we learn contentment with Christ. It says in 2 Samuel 2, 2, David settled in Hebron, and the men of Judah came and anointed David king over the tribe of Judah. Meanwhile, Abner, the commander of Saul's army, had taken Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and made him king over all Israel. Ishbosheth was 40 years old when he became king, and he reigned two years. The length of time David was king in Hebron over Judah was seven and a half years. It's on the journey we learn contentment in Christ. David was finally crowned king after 15 years, but only partially. Can you imagine how disappointing that moment must have been where it's like, you are king over one out of 12 tribes of Israel. And he probably thought like, is is this it? Is this what God promised me? Was David disappointed? Maybe, maybe not. Because ruling over a small kingdom was probably better than ruling over no kingdom at all. And I think it's important for us to pause at different times in life and celebrate how far God has brought us. It's important to be grateful and content with today's situation, even, after we're, even as we're going after other things. And so David, I think here, is rejoicing. He's finally king, even though he knows God's going to do something else. And so what is that far-off goal that you have? Is it, is it to get married or to have children or to start a business that you just know you're supposed to do? Well, pause and celebrate and realize God is with you today. Maybe God has told you he's going to free you from a particular sin or he's going to give you peace after some serious grief that you've gone through, but God is with you today. Maybe you've launched that business. It just is not profitable at all. You're losing money, but you launched the business. You're going to celebrate where God has brought you even as of today. We need to learn to enjoy day-to-day normal life, not just weekends, holidays off, vacations, and retirement. There is joy for the believer in Jesus in the mundane moments of each day, not in just those exciting moments that we have. If you're only living for a future day and not living for today, you're missing out on the greatest portion of your life, which is normal day-to-day activity. What do you need to change so that your normal day-to-day involves seeking the Lord, being with the Lord, and being content with where you are, even if it's a season of working and difficulty that we have? It's gonna have to involve spiritual things, not just physical things. David wrote in Psalm 1611 that in God's presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand, pleasures forevermore. God is with us at all times. He's with us when when we get to our goal and on the delays, disappointments, and detours as we're going towards our goal. And to learn that at any moment we can find refuge in God himself and find peace and joy makes a normal day a good day. We have to realize that, that God has blessed us. Ephesians 1.3 says, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, it's hard to be grateful for spiritual blessings because you can't see them, you can't touch them, you can't taste them, but they're real, right? It's, e- it's gonna be easy later today, and I will do this. I will give God glory. Later today, in my pool, I will say, thank you, Lord, for this physical blessing. I will thank God for it. I really am grateful for that physical blessing. 
But I need to be thanking God for the spiritual blessings that he gives us, right? For the things that I can't see that are invisible, but that are real and that will last millions of years in heaven. Those are worthy of being content over. Because what's the point of arriving if you're not going to be happy once you arrive anyway? Because you haven't practiced gratitude and contentment. And so we were in uh, the airport in Ontario trying to fly to Niagara Falls. And it was weird how we decided to get there because Abigail approaching, I think, her 10th birthday said, you know, turning 10 is a big deal. We should go to Niagara Falls. And my initial reaction was like, how dare you? You don't know how much money that costs. And then I thought, man, that would be really fun. We should go to Niagara Falls. It's a horrible precedent to set that when a kid turns 10, you get a cross-country trip. But I was like, I really want to do this. So we, we scheduled everything. It was an in and out trip. I mean, we were there like, we were leaving Thursday after work, getting back like 5 a.m. Sunday, and I was going to preach and pretend like I was fine, right? And and so, but then at the airport, there's delays and delays, and it got delayed so much that we realized we only have the crazy night of landing at midnight and one more night there. We can't lose any time. And it got to a point where we couldn't go to Niagara Falls. And we told our kids, and they were disappointed. We decided to do a staycation. I think we went to SeaWorld, Legoland, and, and the zoo. And we had a good time. It wasn't as epic, but we had to be okay with the Lord rewriting our plans. We have to be okay with that. We have our goals. God's goals are better. Sometimes they coincide. Sometimes they don't. Either way, we can pursue contentment. Now, David finally becomes king. It says in chapter 3, the war between the house of Saul and the house of David lasted a long time. David grew stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Eventually, the people of Israel even wanted David to be king, and some tried to move forward this agenda, but lacking integrity, taking shortcuts, killing a commander secretly, killing the king of Israel in his bed, and David wasn't going to have any of that. He punished those that had impatience and immorality. He wouldn't tolerate shortcuts to God's promise. And in chapter 5, it says, all the tribes of Israel came to David and said, in the past, while Saul was king and you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns, the Lord said to you, you will shepherd my people Israel and you will become their ruler. So the king made a covenant with them and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he became king and reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah for seven and a half years. And in Jerusalem, he reigned over Israel and Judah for 33 years. Finally, he received the fullness of God's promise. But along the way, he didn't waste his time over those 15 plus years before he was truly king. He allowed God to develop his character, his relationship with God, his communion, and he learned contentment no matter what season he was in, whether he was a shepherd boy watching the sheep or whether he was king over all of Israel, he was content knowing that God was with him and God was in control. And so what rhythms this week can we change that can help us with Christ-like character, communion with Christ and contentment in Christ? If you look at your notes later, you'll see three possible things you could do to develop each of these characteristics in your own life. But, but this journey starts with a new relationship with Jesus. And many people here have a relationship with Jesus. But if you're here today and you've never begun your relationship with Jesus, you never even started your spiritual journey, well, the truth is that journey has started as God has been drawing you to himself 
And if you've heard the good news about Jesus, that he is God, that he died on the cross for your sins, taking your place so you don't have to be punished for your sins, and he was raised three days later, beating death and promising eternal life to you, if you will humble yourself and say, you know what, I, I've got my own path, but I'm willing to now take the path of God. I'm willing to say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, not what I'm doing. I yield, I repent of my sins, and I will follow Jesus alone for my salvation. If that's something that you want, then praise God, that's an amazing place to be. And I wanna give you an opportunity just to express that to God, and maybe you already have. So if you would just close your eyes with me and bow your heads. If there's anyone here that wants to begin a relationship with Jesus, if you would just raise your hand, I want to pray with you. Awesome. We had many people first service. There's hands going up here in the balcony. If you're ready to repent of your sins and put your saving faith in Jesus Christ, just raise your hand. Awesome. And, and you can express a prayer sincerely to the Lord like this, you can say in your heart or out loud, Father in heaven, I know I'm a sinner. I need your salvation. So please forgive me of my sins because I put my trust in Jesus who died on the cross for me and was raised from the grave. Make me a new creation, Lord. I need your help and your strength to follow after you. I know that you'll do that because you promised. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. Many people raised their hands this morning to put their trust in Jesus. Listen, before, before you leave, it's a, it's a big deal to begin a relationship with the Lord. And so if you'll text the word journey to our number, we want to send you videos on how do you pray? How do you read your Bible? You'll have direct access to our pastors to say, I've got questions. And of course, come and tell somebody on our prayer team because we'd love to talk with you as well. God bless you guys. And we'll see you next week. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. If you're a first time listener, text the word new to 951-425-4425. If you'd like to give to our ministry, check out go to cornerstone.com/give. Thank you for listening and have a great week.